Welcome to Parents' Rights Now, a production of Parents' Rights in Education, hosted by Suzanne Gallagher. We are committed to valuing students, empowering parents, and supporting communities to secure great educations for public school children in America. PRE welcomes all students, families, and community members who care about scholastic success for K-12 public school students. Visit our website, parentsrightsined.org, and like us on Facebook. Join us by filling out the form on our website titled, Join Us. You will find information regarding issues and information about local and state chapters. Hey, everybody, it's great to be back with you today. I just wanted to give you an update on what's going on out there with our chapter growth and encourage you to pay attention, okay? We are setting up opportunities for every state in this country and Australia, and very excited about that. We are setting up state websites for every state in the union. And so, of course, we're looking for state leaders. Right now, we're looking for state leaders in two very important states. One is Texas. We're also growing a lot of chapters in the state of Texas, and uh, we don't want to discourage you if you just want to be, you know, in charge of what's going on in your local district. That's cool. We love it. We love it. So we want to make sure that we are identifying you. You need to go to the Join Us page and fill out the information there and sign the chapter affiliation and agreement that is on that page. Um, we're a little bit in transition. We're going to be making that more user-friendly so you can actually sign it right on the website. Uh, but <clears throat> that's coming. It's about We're about a week and a half away. Washington, the state of Washington and Texas are two states where we need a state leader. I want to also um, encourage you with information about Wisconsin. We're excited about Wisconsin. Um, We have new leaders in Hudson, Wisconsin. Uh, One of them has announced that she is going to be running for school board. Actually, two of them. They're the first two um, individuals that we are endorsing during this election cycle. And they happen to be in Hudson, Wisconsin, and they're running for school board. Also spoke with a woman this morning in New Hampshire. Uh, She's been involved for about the last three years looking for direction. Uh, She happened to cross us on the internet. And I had a talk with her this morning. Love it. And um, taking leadership in the state of New Hampshire. So, hey, if you know anybody in New Hampshire, send them this podcast. You know anybody in Washington State, send them the podcast. You know anybody in Texas, anybody anywhere, forward this podcast information to them and encourage them to go to our website, fill out the join us form and indicate where their interests lie. Okie dokie. I'm going to tell you what's going on in Wisconsin. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal. They're starting to uncover things. And, you know, half the battle is knowing what, what to look for. So I'm going to go over a letter that was uh, put out by email to ninth grade students, parents, ninth grade English. Okay, so here's this email. It, it was written to all of the students in the ninth grade who are taking this literature class. The teacher is Molly Noel. And this is what Molly says. She says, good day. 
the English 9 team, so that would be all of the English classes in the ninth grade, hopes this message finds you well. We are writing to communicate about our literature circle unit where students will choose one of several books centered around teen issues and self-discovery. Now, what is that exactly? (laughs) Teen issues and self-discovery. Hmm, this is getting a little bit into that arena of psychotherapy. Psychotherapy groups where people sit around in a circle and they all talk about their personal lives. Molly Noel continues. The unit will begin in early February. We're excited to offer the following choices due to their authentic portrayals of the human condition and their award-winning literary merit and teachability. Interesting, these words she's using, award-winning literary merit and teachability. So this isn't just about literature. This is about the human condition. And she mentions authentic portrayal. Here's the list. The absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian. Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. Number three. The Hate You Give. Number four, The Glass Castle. Number five, Jim Candy. Jim is spelled G-Y-M. Candy. Number six, All American Boys. And number seven, Shout or Speak. Molly Noel continues to describe how this class will be taught. Following the exploration and analysis of text, students will engage in a text-to-world project based on learning opportunity where they will identify a teen issue present in both the text and at Hudson High School. They will complete a research-based news-style article for an audience of their peers here at Hudson High School. That's pretty high level for a 14-year-old. She goes on. Not unlike the traditional literary classics, texts exploring teen issues often investigate undesirable behaviors or circumstances during which teens need support while navigating. However, none of these texts glorify these behaviors and all inspire positive solutions through self-discovery. Molly Noel continues, Issues found in parts of these novels include violence, depression, Racism, sexuality, rape, substance abuse, and language. 
Our goals through this unit are to provide a rigorous, student-centered literary experience and to provide a platform where students can talk candidly about issues within the safety of a classroom and obtain adult support when needed. If none of these books will work for your child, we welcome him or her to find a young adult novel of their choice that explores issues teen face and finding oneself through resolve. Thank you so much for your time. We are thrilled about this unit and its positive scope and purpose. Sincerely, the ninth English grade team. This is Hudson School District, Wisconsin. Alrighty then, let's unpack this. Number one, the group psychotherapy model is not appropriate in the public school setting. Yeah, guys, this is psychotherapy, group psychotherapy. It's sometimes called talk therapy, and it's a term for a variety of treatment techniques that aim to help a person identify and change troubling emotions, thoughts, and behavior. Most psychotherapy takes place with a licensed, trained mental health professional and a patient meeting one-on-one or with other patients in a group setting. Now, psychoeducational groups are led by a therapist who takes on the role of a teacher and trainer. This contrasts with process-oriented groups where the therapist takes a background role as a facilitator of the group experience. Psychoeducational groups are a form of education-based group therapy. Rather than focusing on individual client relationships, psychoeducational groups focus on providing education, training, and support. Normally, these groups are led by a licensed, trained mental health professional, and the English teachers are not trained sufficiently to facilitate this project. Number two, the books. The books listed are sensitive and they're controversial. Introducing students to subjects and risky behaviors, which in many cases, students may not have known about until reading one of these books. Participating in the group discussion or reading the research-based news-style article produced by fellow ninth graders. I question how research-based and new style this article will be. Is the school ready to take legal responsibility for decisions students make as a result of introducing them to these themes, including violence, depression, racism, sexuality, substance abuse, rape, and language. When teaching minors to engage in risky behavior of any kind, 
The answer to the question is age appropriateness. And that depends on the child and the context of the instruction. Number three, students are not capable of dealing with adult level decision-making at this age. We believe the lack of cognitive and developmental maturity levels of young people have been grossly overlooked by educators and curriculum authors. Scientific findings regarding mental and emotional maturity are stunning. Conservative estimates indicate maturity at, get this, age 25. And I would like to remind you guys that this is well known throughout education and mental health and psychotherapy circles. This information is well known throughout education, psychotherapy, and mental health circles. Sandra Amott, a neuroscientist and co-author of the book, Welcome to Your Child's Brain, discusses this very subject. Neuroscientists have found the brain scans show clearly that the brain is not fully finished developing until about age 25. The changes that happen between 18 and 25 are a continuation of the process that starts around puberty. And 18-year-olds are about halfway through that process. Now, remember, we're talking about 14-year-old kids. Their prefrontal cortex is not yet fully developed. That's the part of the brain that helps you to inhibit impulses and to plan and organize your behavior to reach a goal. We see that the motor control, meaning the myelination of the motor pathways, occurs around 15 on average. Then the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, responsible for cognitive control and executive function, is pretty much myelinated by age 25. But then you start talking about emotions and everyone realizes, especially moms and dads, the impact of emotions on cognitive control. They can change how much control you have. So when you look at the medial and orbital surfaces of the frontal lobe, which some call the social brain, the mean age of myelination of those connections between the limbic system and those frontal areas is about age 32. That's a far cry from 14. Number four, Molly Noel suggests parents who do not approve of any of the books on her list can select a different young adult novel exploring issues teens face and finding oneself through resolve. Uh, excuse me? Since when? is age 14, a young adult. These kids are barely teenagers. Even so, students are exposed to the group therapy sessions, even if they choose a different book. 
and peer pressure by those reading the other books. And what about including parents in discussion groups? Parental guidance is critical so that they know what their children are being told about the content within the value system of their family. Age appropriateness and family values are always a consideration. And because no two people are the same, a one-size-fits-all approach is not acceptable. The parents should decide. Discussing age-appropriate literature protects all children, as does reaffirming parents' rights and the protection of their families from government overreach. In most cases, schools are not open to include parents in these group psychotherapy discussions. It's often called social-emotional learning. Oh, and they'll claim, oh, it would be a disruption to the class. That's code for, we don't want you to listen to what the other students say. Oh, well, if that is true, then it's not appropriate for the students to hear what their classmates say either. Number five. Oftentimes, school policy allows for an opt-out option. Parents concerned about the emotional well-being of their children have been left out of this decision-making process. Many have strong values which are not respected by these standards. Parents want real equality in the process, and many are blindsided when they learn that their children have been taught ideologies and information they deem inappropriate. This is wrong and biased against these families. Parents' rights in education encourages school districts to provide an opt-in policy, not opt-out, for courses pertaining to controversial and sensitive materials, programs, and curriculum. Opt-out puts parents on the defense. Often, even with a request on file, students are exposed to assemblies, outside speakers, and curriculum from which their parents have requested an exemption. And by the way, I might add that uh, the schools uh, usually do not have any kind of consequence for teachers who go ahead and show the information to your kid, even though you've opted them out. And since that's the case, what's the risk? Now, the default has to be opt-out. That should be the default. Giving parents choice and peace of mind, knowing their children will not be exposed to medically inaccurate, unhealthy, and age-inappropriate teaching without their knowledge or consent. Opt-in protects the school, too, and board members from unnecessary lawsuits if a student is mistakenly exposed to such curriculum. Opt-in is a win-win for both schools and parents. As an organization, we don't like this. We don't want to see kids going to school and getting into personal discussions about their thoughts, their feelings, etc. If parents want that, then they can sign their child up to 
to go to sort of a self-discovery group, but it's not appropriate in the school, and it's not appropriate in the English class. We applaud Hudson School District in Wisconsin for bringing this to our attention and encourage other parents to join with them on Monday, February 13th in the evening for the school board meeting. Tell your board what you think. This is Parents' Rights Now. Please check your show notes for links pertinent to this podcast. Please consider making a monthly contribution to Parents' Rights in Education. We need your help. We have big plans in mind, and because of a very generous one-time contribution of $25,000, we are challenging our listeners and our readers, all of our supporters, to match that. Gives $12 a month. If there were only 500 of you, that would tally up to $6,000 a month, almost tripling the $25,000 check we just received in one year. Be part of that club. We call it the 12 by 12 club. A link to our website is in the show notes or go to parentsrightsined.org. See you soon.